You're listening to The Beauty Debut. I'm your host, Claudia Fabian. As someone who has spent over 25 years in the beauty industry as an esthetician, makeup artist, and in professional sales, I want to share what I've learned. Allow me to be your beauty avatar and give you a behind-the-scenes look at what it's really like to work in the world of beauty. And follow me as I navigate how to age gracefully. And remember, it's never too late to make your debut. This podcast is about all things beauty inside and out. Tune in every week to hear my conversations with the amazing professionals who are working in all aspects of the beauty industry. Get the scoop on the latest trends and learn firsthand insider tips and tricks to help you look and feel your very best. I'm so happy to have you here. The Beauty Debut starts now. Hi, Lynn. Thank you so much for being on today's episode of the Beauty Debut Podcast. I was really excited to have the chance to, you know, have you share your insider background on what it's like to be a makeup artist in many different capacities, whether it be TV, movies, and freelance. So welcome, Alain. Thank you, Ms. Claudia. I appreciate it. And congrats to you on your podcast. I think it suits you so well, I have to say. Like, I've listened to a few of your podcasts, and your voice is so tranquil and soothing. It's definitely, (laughs) it's, I think, your niche. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that vote of confidence. So from your lips to God's ears, I hope that (laughs) everybody else will feel the same. So for sure. Let's start by talking about your career. So how did you get your start in beauty? I mean, when, when did you kind of get that, that bug of like, oh my God, this is what I need to be doing? Yeah. So I've been thinking about it a little bit. And to be honest, I kind of tripped into it. I think, you know, early on as a young adult, like I always was interested in art and painting and I had that sort of like to fall back on and I loved, you know, artistically expressing myself, but I never really knew that it would become my career necessarily, you know, through lots of odd jobs, which I have got, I think my sister and I counted at some point, like near 30 jobs (laughs) at some point in my life that, um, you know, I finally had a counter job and with color and I was able to I think I had a knack for it because it was painting faces where I was so used to painting canvas and, um, you know, just really being able to work with clients that were, you know, of all different genres and, you know, age realms and just really loved what I was doing. And, and it made me feel amazing that I was able to capture that at such a young age because I started at the counters super young. I mean, like 17, 18. <laughs> wow. So that was kind of like your, one of your first you know, jobs um, as a teenager was working behind a beauty counter. Yeah, I would say, well, my first job was taking care of all the animals on our virtual farm. (laughs) I came from a big family and we didn't have much money for extravagances. So it was, you know, doing the horse feed and the hay in the mornings. And I knew, I knew pretty quickly that if I wanted, you know, that Chanel lipstick, that I would have to work for it. So that's kind of how I started, you know, working in the counters. Mm-hmm. So having that beautiful Chanel lipstick as you um, clean out the chicken hens, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm trying to picture you as a young girl doing that. 
Um, Very important. You're no so priorities. I can't picture you doing that, but um, I'll take your word for it that you did. And so working behind the counter, I, I mean, what was that like at such a young age? You said that you enjoyed it, but there's also a lot of pressure behind the counter to sell. So what was that experience like being so young? You know, I didn't really see it like that, um, to be honest. I felt like it was more just such a great experience. I mean, I knew it was going to be my forever job. So I went into it very lightheartedly. And for me, the big, you know, really the amazing part was be able to be surrounded by all this incredible product that I only dreamed about and play with it and have it there and, you know, be part of a bigger picture. I loved working with my, my VP of sales and she would come in and motivate me to sell more and give me incentives to obviously get more makeup for free. Mm -hmm. So that was, that was really the highlight for me, you know, being able to sell to people and eventually get that free, free goods for my uh, Chanel bags. <laughs> yeah, I have to agree that, you know, when you love um, what you're doing, when you're really passionate about, let's say makeup, which, you know, I know you're very passionate about as am I, you know, it's so, it just becomes effortless. It's, it's not that you're even really selling. I really, you know, hate to use that word when it comes to showing people makeup and making them feel better. Cause it's really just about recommending and, and really just giving somebody options. Like these are the products that could potentially make you look like this every single day if you wanted them to. Yes, no, I agree wholeheartedly. It's really about you know, bringing out their best features and helping a client transform into something that they didn't realize they could actually be. I think um, part of my success behind the counter was that I seemed very approachable. You know, I wasn't really looking for the sale necessarily. I was just there to help them. And yeah. I think, you know, they realized that. Yeah. And that's really the key to sales in general is just really wanting to help and educating because the sale comes naturally when you are, again, you know, really passionate about what you're doing and just really wanting to help people. You know, I think that's why we all kind of get into this line of work is that we love making people feel better about themselves. And I, I know I personally love making women feel really beautiful, especially if they don't see that in themselves. Like it's such a rewarding process. Oh, it is. It's amazing when you hand them the mirror for that first time, like that, just that moment of handing them the mirror when they look in and it's like, you know, you can see all their stress melts away. And I'm kind of a big artist that I don't love to have them, you know, unless you're teaching them, it's a teaching moment to have the mirror in front of their face. I kind of prefer to kind of do their makeup and then wait it out until the very end and have that big reveal. And, you know, that moment right there is part of of what makes us, you know, so fond of being artists and for what we do. And I've had women literally cry. I mean, it's amazing what a transformation of just a little makeup can do for some people's lives. Yeah, it's a total mood booster. It's a total self-confidence booster. Um, makeup is so powerful. It, it really and truly is. And so from behind the counter, how did you then journey on and end up working like with fashion week and on TV shows and movie production? Like how did that all go from point A to point B? So I gather, um, you know, when I was in college, I went to, I had, first of all, I came from three siblings who all went to FSU, go Knowles. And, you know, my family, I was a black sheep and, you know, they expected me to go to FSU. But when I turned around and told my parents, hey, I'm gonna actually go to art school 
you know, they were very supportive, thank God, but I'm sure, bless their heart, they were so scared that I was gonna even be able to, you know, make a dollar. But I had such, and I'll say this, you know, living in South Florida, where I grew up, and for your listeners who don't really understand Florida, you could divide Florida into two. The north part of the state is very, like, I guess, you know, Mickey Mouse and orange groves. And then South Florida is culture and cafecito and art deco and fashion. So me growing up, you know, with Miami as my backyard, um, I was really drawn to that lifestyle and to fashion. So that's ultimately where I wanted to land my career path. And I wanted to work with fashion designers and possibly, you know, assist them and do runway. And so I went to the um, International Fine Arts College with a degree in fashion marketing. And I wound up stumbling into fashion shows. Um, one of my mentors, his name is John Martinez. He's a fashion stylist to the stars. I mean, you name it, he's done them. He took me under his wing and, and, and actually I assisted him in so many beautiful fashion shows, literally dressing models, which behind the scenes is hectic and crazy. Mm -hmm. um, and I have so many stories with that, but <laughs> that was my first taste of it. And accidentally speaking, and I think you know this as well as I do, Claudia, that a lot of artists are often temperamental, hairstylist artists, don't always show up for work. So, you know, we'd be here at this amazing show like Oscar de la Renta, you know, Sylvia Tarassi, and the makeup artist didn't show up. And me having my, you know, very small itty bitty experience behind the counter, um, I was kind of thrown into it when that artist didn't show up. And that's how I started. Yeah. And from there, I really started to do all of the shows. I mean, I was at the first Miami Arch, Miami Fashion Runway show that there was doing makeup. And so I was all, you know, 19, 20 years old behind the scenes, you know, getting these beautiful models ready for the runway with absolutely incredible designers. That sounds like a lot of fun and a great time, especially being so young. I mean, just being in that whole rock and roll, amazing atmosphere of fashion, makeup and hair. So you were, you were kind of saying that behind the scenes is a little chaotic. What was your most, like one of your most memorable memories from that time? Like, take us like, what is it like to be behind the scenes in that scenario? Like what's going on back there? You know, when they say that Miami is all about sex, drugs, and glamour, and celebrities, and all of that, that's all true. <laughs> it was an amazing time to be, you know, in Miami Beach, South Beach, working with these gorgeous designers, amazing celebrities. You know, I have so many moments behind the stage. There was one that I have to say, which is hysterical to me. I was doing MTV Loud, which I'm not sure if you remember that. That was like an I MTV do. show on the beach that they did with all these, you know, various fashion. It was a merge of fashion and bands. And I had just, you know, done some makeup. There was Rebecca Ramon Stamos and so many great models there, amazing singers. And one of the girls had forgotten her earring or something. I have no idea. And at the time I had thought that I was super cute and I could do makeup and styling in, you know, five inch heels. So they're like, oh my God, give this girl her earrings. So I had to run out, you know, behind the stage, you know, before she got on. And I tripped over Jay-Z's bodyguard. <laughs> like earring in hand, like 
fashion roadkill. Like, oh my gosh, she needs her earring. And they're like, whoa, girl, you need to calm down. <laughs> they're like, like, yeah, Daisy picked me up off the runway. And he was oh like, are you okay? So that was just hysterical moment. Um, he was very nice, by the way. I was going to say, that's like a, the Carrie Bradshaw moment from Sex and the City. When she that's like, how it felt. Thankfully, Aww. it was behind the scenes. But no, I mean, you know, occasionally you'd have the designer that was like, had this, you know, perfect vision and they should. It is their show and it's their moment to really shine. But, you know, at the very last second, every single minute matters when you're backstage. He all of a sudden changed his mind and decided he wanted red lipstick on every single model. And I think they were in like a nude, let's say, or a berry. And so he turned to me and said, red lipstick on every model now. And you know, as well as I do, putting red lipstick on, first of all, it's not something you can do very quickly. It's, it, you know, you wanna make sure everything looks perfect. And red lipstick is precision. So all the models flipped out and he just went bananas. I mean, I had never seen someone scream at the top of their lungs, red lipstick for everyone, like back and forth, running, like making sure every artist was, you know, putting red lipstick on these girls. Good God. Oh my God. That would be so stressful. Like your hand would be shaking because yes, red lips, everything shows. Any little error is so apparent when you wear a red lip. Yes, it certainly is. So, oh you know, God. moments like that are just hysterical and I look back at them and, oh, wow. Well, it definitely so. prepares you, you know, like being good on your feet, right? Except when you're falling, but being good on your feet, quick, you know, being able to pivot very quickly, I'm sure has served you well throughout your career. You know, just being able to kind of think quickly and, and react quickly. Thank you. I appreciate that. You know, and it was, it was really nice to put someone else's vision on a model. But I think once I did freelance and, you know, left the fashion scene, which was, the fashion scene is amazing, believe me. But, um, you know, it's a little shallow for some, for my taste. I'm kind of, I'm a hippie at heart, a hot hippie, if you will. So um, it was a little bit too, uh, I think too much for me that I had to get out of there. But yeah, I would imagine when working with, you know, that scene, as you said, it's, it's a, an amazing, magical time and place. Um, lots of, you know, phenomenal artists of all kinds. But, you know, because it is a little bit more maybe very superficial, very shallow, as a young woman, I mean, that did that affect your self-esteem at all? Like, did you, like, feel less than? Because I would imagine being you know, when you're 19, 20, 21, I mean, you're so insecure anyway, most of the time. And then you're surrounded by these glamazon, skinny, you know, gorgeous, famous models. I mean, what was, how did that affect you? Or, or maybe mean, it didn't. At that time I was skinny. <laughs> <laughs> and I was there for the fashion, you know, for me, yeah. it wasn't even about the models. I really had tunnel vision, you know, for the fashion, for the makeup, you know, it eventually led me to doing the internship at Chanel um, at Fifth and Madison, working for the ready to wear department in New York. And ultimately, I really wanted to just continue the adventure in fashion. Mm -hmm. um, but when I did realize it was, like you said, just shallow and really unappreciative and, and really cutthroat, it's very Devil Wears Prada, it really mm -hmm. does have that aspect to it. Mm -hmm. You know, you're very replaceable. And I saw that early on and I knew that working for myself was, you know, the better route. 
Okay. So then you decided to kind of venture out and do some freelance. And with that, you had tremendous success. I mean, you've worked on TV productions, you've worked on movie sets. So walk us through that. Like, how did you then just like one day flip on a switch and you're freelancing or is, is there more to it? You know, I think when it comes to, you know, living in the area that I live and I believe you in LA obviously have the same sort of outlet, you meet so many creative types just day in and day out. And it was very easy for me to transition into that freelance um, world. Um, you know, you meet someone at a party and next thing you know, you're working on a commercial. Um, and I think my back then, I mean, this is early 2000s, I really did kind of, excuse me, create a name for myself because I was on time. I had worked some really wonderful, you know, shows, which I'm so thankful for. But I, I believe a lot of, like I said, and I don't mean to put any kind of taint on the industry or any hate or shade, but a lot of times in this industry, you find people that are unreliable and don't have a work ethic and are too caught up in the party scene to actually work. Mm. So having that work ethic that's strong and instilled from, you know, with the chickens, <laughs> yeah. I was able to really make a name for myself very quickly and rise up into those um, various, you know, TV and movies and such. So, well, I know one of the things that um, I know we were going to touch on is you did makeup for the TV show, Whose Wedding Is It Anyway? Um, and you got to work with Anna Cruz. So what was that, what was that experience like? I know you have um, kind of a, a story to tell about that. Oh, goodness. Um, you know, that show, I think, was before its time. And Anna is a delight. She's really a character. And she really cares for her clients. Definitely, if anyone's looking for a wedding planner, she's still working in Miami, just to put a little hint out there for you guys. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I did have the experience of working on the show. And one of the episodes, which was really hysterical to me, um, first of all, you sign a, an NDA, so you can't really share basically they can edit you to make you look like the wicked witch when i brought the nda to my attorney they told me don't sign it don't do the show but of course i said eh, i'm gonna do the show i don't care if they make me look like a witch it's still you know bad publicity is good publicity uh -huh. but thankfully it wasn't really about me um so we show up to the set with absolutely no idea of what's going to happen and reality shows are a little scripted so i knew that you know we could edit as time went on but um, I got the knowledge um, around eight in the morning that the bride was being surprised by the groom that today was in fact her wedding day. Okay. Let that sink in. Yeah. <laughs> so she was supposed to be married about a year later. And I guess lo and behold, he contacted the show. He wanted to do this, you know, gigantic wedding, invite friends and family. So it was like this big coercion and no one was, you know, able to tell the bride this and she was a deer in headlights when she walked onto the you know it was at a hotel room just as if you were getting married normally she was brought there thinking that she was just going to be working and they had the cameras rolling and basically told her hi christina today is your wedding day oh my god so what did she do so absolutely you know everything's out of her hands 
But Anna, thankfully, is an amazing bridal planner. So she had picked out, you know, the most beautiful flowers. She, I mean, bridesmaid dresses, everything, you name it. So I guess for brides who don't really like to plan, this would be an ideal scenario. Right. But I could tell she was forlorn. She was not really excited. Let's just say that. And I think she was, you know, obviously dumbstruck like within five minutes you're supposed to say oh i'm getting married and my entire family's here and it's happening now <laughs> and you're on camera and you're mic'd up and everything and it's like what so well, especially maybe, like maybe she was thinking maybe she wasn't gonna marry him i don't know right and i guess you know they thought well maybe that'll make good tv too which is horrible i know oh my god Ooh. so it wound up being, you know, a lot of responsibility on my behalf to make sure that she looked good because God forbid she didn't. Then she's screaming about her makeup. But no, she was honestly like real, very, very good sport. And she went through the whole thing with a smile on her face. And, you know, I mean, you could tell she was a nervous wreck. You really could. But yeah, um, to be totally caught off guard like that. I don't know if I would do well in that scenario. You know, I don't think I, I would probably walk away, <laughs> but yeah. you can't because it's like all this stuff is there for you. And um, your family's there and you're, yeah, she probably was in total shock the whole day. Yeah. Do you know if they're still married? <laughs> I, you know, they're not. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go figure. Oh my go God. Figure, I know, wah, wah. But yeah, it made for good TV, I guess. <laughs> it did, it did, it did. And I know that you had a really nice thing happen when you were freelancing. You um, had the honor of doing makeup for the first, the very first gay wedding in the state of Florida, which is incredible. And I believe that photo is now in the Smithsonian. So tell me about that. Yes, this is all true. And it is honestly one of my greatest honors. Um, it was such a humbling moment. And it really obviously made news around the world. And I met these two lovely women who I'm still in contact with. And they really, you know, fought so desperately just to have the same, you know, privileges as anyone else in this world, um, or in this country, at least. And you could tell it was just such, and they are married, I will come to say, um, that it was just such a beautiful moment for them. And I was so honored to do their makeup. In fact, um, I got to their house in the morning and, you know, a lot of times as freelancers, people forget to even give you water because, you know, they're all consumed with their day and I get that. But when I walked in, you know, the two of them were like, with their kids who they've adopted and they were like oh my goodness we're making you pancakes and i'm like no you guys have to get ready you have a big day and they're like no we won't hear of it so they had myself and the hairdresser nicholas sit down and made us pancakes a breakfast complete for the whole family and we sat there and ate pancakes and then you know we did their makeup and they were so happy and joyed and joyful and it was wonderful and you know that afternoon i got home and i saw them on the news and you know, they spoke about really how important that this turn of events is for society. So I'm really proud for that. I love that. I think that's amazing. And then your work is in the Smithsonian, which, I mean, that's like an added bonus. I know. I guess I'll have to go and see it one day. I have yet to do that. So yeah, that'll be, that'll be amazing. Yeah. And, you know, one thing I, I wanted to ask you, which I've always wondered about is, you know, when you are a makeup artist and you get to work, 
you know, on a movie set and, you know, you know, there's actors on the set that you've admired, you know, what is that like? And you get to finally work with that person or, you know, be at least in their vicinity, if you're not actually touching their face. Has that ever happened to you? And, and what is that like? Oh, yeah, no, for sure. I mean, it's, it's quite an experience. And I think that happens a lot of times when people just meet celebrities in the street, they're not exactly sure how they'll be, but this is in a working capacity. So it's a very intimate sort of a thing when you're doing makeup for someone and you really do expect the best, but you don't always get that. There was one movie set that I was on and to be honest, my favorite movie, this actress was in. Mm -hmm. So I was very excited when I saw her on the call sheet and walked in and into the trailer, you know, to do the morning makeup and realized that this person was actually she double. <laughs> Never to me, thankfully. And I guess it's because I was, you know, making her look beautiful, but ultimately was screaming at actors, cursing at them. I mean, there was no limit, just not professional in any way, got away with everything because they were, you know, an A actor mm -hmm. and they really made people cry. And it was such a like letdown for me um, that I realized like, you know, people are people no matter what, and maybe they were having a bad month, but I just think they were kind of a rotten person to the core. You know, and then on the same note, some people surprise you, like, and are amazing. Yeah. Um, you know, Heather Graham is beautiful. I mean, she looks like an angel when you see her in person and mm -hmm. what a doll. I mean, just so sweet and interested and delightful. And, you know, Joseph Cross, I worked with for a long time. He is just so much fun. So, you know, you meet a lot of characters just in like every day. And, you know, there's no point in idolizing anyone because we all have bad days. We all have good days. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, a lot of characters, you know, but it, it was certainly a little bit of a letdown for me just because I had so many, you know, just grands, like, I guess it's so romantic with movies and you expect them to be like that character. Exactly. And then you realize they're just like everybody else. They're just human <laughs> beings with flaws and and they're doing acting. That's why you fall in love with them, you know? It's they're good actors. They deserve they're good that. actors. <laughs> <laughs> and kind of, um, just to kind of round out all your experience, I, I know that I wanted you to also touch on, you know, with, you know, the upcoming election that we have happening here in the United States, you did have the chance to, at one point, work on the Democratic, um, was it the convention that you did makeup for? Yeah, so it was the debates early on, um, mm -hmm. prior to COVID, actually not much farther away from COVID now that I think about it. Mm -hmm. um, so I had, uh, I work a lot of times with NBC and I've done some work with Telemundo and Channel 6, which is a local news station here. Mm -hmm. um, and they really needed a lot of talent for the um, Democratic debates. So my team, it was myself and uh, another artist and another hairstylist um, were able to do two days of the Democratic debates. It was shot in Miami and you name them, they were there. A lot of them forgotten now, but um, you know, I had Bernie Sanders in my chair, Cory <laughs> Booker. Um, I touched up Elizabeth Warren. I, um, yeah, it was, it was kind of, it was amazing. You know, I had never really done politically inspired makeup, <laughs> which, you know, I had to kind of 
fight with a lot of them to actually yeah. put makeup on because men in general are not super comfortable with makeup and especially in that genre. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of them are bald and you had to just say, look, you do your job, I'll do my job. Right. <laughs> and it's interesting because at the debates, they had um, their assistants with them, a lot of the gentlemen and women. Mm -hmm. um, Kamala Harris was there with her assistant and you know, they have a certain look that they have in mind that maybe that person does not. So you had to listen to the assistant. So you're kind of the middleman in between the politician, the assistant, and you have a job to do. So you wanna make sure that under all these lights and believe me, there's a lot of lights on that stage so that they come out looking great because otherwise it's my reputation. So it's a fine line. Um, and it took some convincing here and there. In fact, with a little Elizabeth Warren, I, I actually made her put on more blush and made her put on more lipstick and she looked better and better throughout the debate. And Kamala was really sweet. She was actually, she had her makeup pre-done um, prior to it, but we added some blush and some contour to her. <laughs> so, you know, awesome. I mean, yeah. think about, I mean, you know, we don't know how the election for this year is going to end and no matter what side of the fence you're on, you know, hopefully it's going to be a decision that's good for America as a whole. But just imagine if she does win, um, you could say that you've done the vice president's makeup. Yes, I suppose so. That's yeah. true. Yeah, you can yeah, add that to your resume. <laughs> that would be lovely. We were actually going to do the Republican debates as well, but obviously, you know, COVID happened and those were now yeah. uh, set in kind other of areas and so other plans were made, but I was looking forward to that also. Oh yeah, just to it, just to be behind the scenes and anything like that is going to be so fascinating and there's always going to be a story to tell. <laughs> yeah, you know, sure. that's it. And I think, you know, as well, like when you do artistry and beautiful moments, whether it's a wedding or, you know, these pivotal moments for their career, you know, it really is a time that you get to know that person on a different level that no one else really ever will. Mm -hmm. So I would have been curious to know, like what President Trump uses on his face. <laughs> That's curious. <laughs> what brand of bronzer is that? I don't know. I actually... <laughs> I'm curious of that to you. <laughs> and his hair is a whole different story. We won't go there. We're going to focus. Oh, no, on no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> so with being a freelance artist, I mean, now in the time of COVID, let's just say, you know, obviously things have slowed down, I'm sure. Um, but what do you, what advice would you give somebody who is wanting to kind of break into the fashion and you know, maybe look to do TV and, and editorial work like you've done, where would they start? Like, what's your advice for someone just starting out or, or maybe even like a veteran, like who's just maybe wanting to pivot their career and, and work freelance? What advice do you give? You know, I think times have changed so much. And when I started my career, honestly, it was because I had an innate talent and it came second nature to me to be able to do makeup, it was sort of just like, you hear about these athletes who pick up a baseball and ultimately like, you know, it just happened for them. And that's kind of how I felt with makeup too. I really didn't have formal training. I just did it on my own. And I feel now things have changed so much in the world of YouTube and, you know, all of these online, you know, editorials, and they're able to show you step-by-step. Step. And I think it's, it's really grand that you have that platform to be able to, you know, watch that. But 
it can be a little convoluted and I don't think the authenticity is there and authenticity shines, you know, you can spot a fake a mile away. So you should ultimately follow your dreams, but really like stay true to who you are as an artist. And if you have that passion, you have that talent, you'll make it. You just have to really, you know, put yourself out there and don't give up on your dream. You know, if it's a passion, then it, you'll get it. But as for now, in the COVID world, I mean, you know, spend that time practicing and, you know, really cultivating your art. Um, and when time allows, you know, put yourself out there and you'll be ahead of the curve for really, you know, honing your crafts. Do you still do, um, I know, I know I see a lot on Instagram and social media, these master classes that you can take with. I know Kim Kardashian's makeup artist, Mario, you know, he does a lot of master classes. I mean, do you ever take any of those classes? Like, how do you stay current and, and how do you make sure you're still on top of your game? Like, what do you do? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I don't. <laughs> I don't. But I, I, like anyone else, I am obviously on Instagram and I'm on all of those social networks, but I, I really do... I have my own sort of uh, Pinterest page where I like handpick things that inspire me and it doesn't have to be makeup all the time. It could be colors or, you know, I really feel strongly like if you have brown eyes, you will look amazing with a violet blue liner, whatever it is, you know, and I really do. I'm always finding inspiration somewhere, whether it's in home design or art, um, you know, and when it comes to putting that to a face, the biggest thing I think for me and for most artists out there is that you should listen to your client. Mm -hmm. That is, I think the biggest thing that really works. If you listen to what your client wants and ultimately give them what they desire, then you've made it. A lot of times people who are just ego and they, you know, taking these master classes, they think they know everything. They'll go in and do these things and ultimately they didn't listen to one word the client said and they'll be failure. So that's my best advice to any inspiring, aspiring artist to really listen, you know, and, and work with how they want you to achieve the look. And, you know, I know that you've had a lot of experience doing all of these amazing, beautiful canvases of these models and beautiful celebrities. But one of my philosophies has always kind of been, and I want to get your opinion, you know, I've always been a makeup artist that's worked in like a salon setting or, you know, in strictly in bridal. And I think, you know, on the outside looking in, yes, it's all super glamorous to work in TV and, and all of that. But I think a lot of it, I mean, to me, it's like, I don't know, I just always feel like, you know, makeup artists, it's so easy to make you know, these beautiful, flawless models look even more gorgeous than they already are. You know, they have young, smooth skin. But to me, it's like uh, the talent of a true makeup artist is taking that like 40 something year old housewife who has like sagging eyelids and you like, like me? <laughs> and like, you know, uneven complexion, you know, thin lips, like not your typical model look, right? And to turn them into the most glamorous, version of themselves like to me like that's really exciting and like a true makeup artist like and I'm not saying that other makeup artists that work in production are not but I just feel like I look at a lot of these Instagram celebrity artists and you know gosh I mean you could slap 
anything on, you know, some of these beautiful like Gigi Hadid or some of these models and they would just look beautiful no matter what you put on them. But it's interesting to see like a makeup artist work on an average woman. <laughs> no, I wholeheartedly agree. I wholeheartedly agree. And, uh -huh. and, you know, the fashion, the runway, the editorial, all that is a fantasy and it's fun, but it's not reality. You know, mm -hmm. a lot of times with these contouring tutorials, you know, I tell clients, don't do it because you're going to look like a drag queen. Like if yes. you walk out with that much contour and not the right, you know, lighting in your face, it's going to be a scary in-person, you know, look. But, um, you know, the four-year-old plus, you know, all these women, the grandmas, the mothers, the women who have had an inability to do makeup, those are my favorite clients. I really love working with them. It's just great to show them how to really uh, make their attributes, you know, take advantage of the areas that really are beautiful and that they can highlight and which I don't think they've really learned. So for me, every single makeup that I do, even if it is a paid freelance, I'm always giving tips and I'm always giving some sort of, you know, training or lesson or letting them know like, this is what you can do to continue this look and just to feel beautiful. And a lot of times it's as simple as a concealer. These women don't even realize. <laughs> so I think- Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, those are the real women and my brides and, you know, those women that I've kept in touch with for years and years. And those are my favorite clients. Mm -hmm. to do. Yeah. They've always been mine too. I, I've always had an affinity for bridal makeup. I just love, well, I love weddings and I love brides and, you know, every bride to me looks absolutely beautiful on their wedding day. And I just love yes. being a part. We're both romantics. Yes. <laughs> I love being a part of that whole experience and just making them feel their absolute best. And, and I know in my heart, like they never forget that day and they never forget their makeup artist and their hairstylist. Like, right. And a lot of times we're in those photo albums forever. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm not always looking my best. I don't always. No, God knows. Oh, Lordy. I just, I realized that pretty quickly that I have to kind of make myself look, you know, better than usual because I'm going to be in there forever memories. <laughs> exactly. But, yeah, no, you know, using the right makeup helps when you use natural makeup like La Belladonna and, you know, it's not making your skin look overly, mm -hmm. you know, too contoured or too thick or, you know, that helps as well. So really introducing them to a line that's going to work with them, I think is, is really great. Well, that's what I was going to ask you next is what is currently in your freelance kit? Like what brands do you carry in your kit? Like what are some of your go-to favorites? So I really do, of course, love La Belladonna. Mm -hmm. And I've used it, you know, God, for over 14 years now. It feels like it's a long time, like at least 12 years. Um, their minerals for me are everything. I wear them every single day because they, I have rosacea skin, so it calms the redness of my skin. And also living in South Florida, it's very hot and warm, so it helps calm the red of my skin. Um, but I love to introduce that to clients, especially with problematic skin. It really does make a world of difference, you know, to them. It feels like a skincare. So that's always, you know, in my makeup bag. Right now, I just actually purchased a bunch of the magnetic lashes to kind of see how those are. So I'm kind of experimenting with them. A lot of times when I buy products, I, you know, try it for a while myself to see if it's worth moving on, you know, with. Mm -hmm. um, I definitely, I love, um, you know, liquid liner. I'm a big fan of that. So Lady Gaga has her nice liquid liner. It's really great. 
Is it? Um, okay, I haven't tried yeah. it. Okay. It's a nice one. It stays put. So, you know, I, I definitely am a believer in the setting spray. I love Morph. I think it's great. Um, you know, in Florida, we have to deal with the heat and the humidity. So it's constantly that kind of stuff. So I'm always looking for products that are going to keep, you know, the face intact. Um, <laughs> thereafter, I leave. That's the most important. So, you know, do I have a fav favorite right now? I think you and I were discussing earlier that I so miss lipstick in the time of COVID because yeah. lipstick is my ultimate go-to, make you feel better. You know, I just love a beautiful matte lip, bright red. It's my favorite. So I do miss it, but you know, at least eyes are getting the front stage right now. So it's all about the eyes, girl. You got to make them look popped and beautiful. Yeah. Let me know how you do with those magnetic lashes. I, I, I don't, I'm not a fan. Um, I don't know. I just, I'm not into it. Maybe I'm just too old school. I still like my strip lashes with my duo, you know, black. Duo the dark. Do you use the dark duo? Yeah. Oh, the dark duo is my favorite. I love it. Um, <laughs> with my wispy lashes. Um, and I know I have a variety of different lashes, especially when I used to work on brides. I used to have different styles of lashes because not every bride wants lashes like mine. So I, you know, would use different looks um, depending on their eye shape as well. But yeah, I, that's probably one thing I could not live without are my lashes and my lash glue. Yeah, what's, it's like the icing on the cake, you know? <laughs> what's, what's one product that you could not live without? Oof. You know, I feel like that, you know, if you're on a deserted island product thing, it's so very difficult to distinguish. I mean, ultimately, I feel like regardless, um, mascara is a go-to no matter what, like mascara, mascara will make you look like and feel like a different person. Mm -hmm. um, SPF is essential. I'm so big on SPF. So yeah, I mean, if I had to do one thing, it would be either a beautiful lip or mascara for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and if you could bring two things and you'd be set. You could bring <laughs> yeah, exactly. You'd look glamorous, even though you were probably starving on the island. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, it's been such a pleasure chatting with you and I'm glad that you were able to give us kind of a sneak peek on what it's like behind um, you know, the scenes in fashion, TV and movies. And I know that you're still um, a freelance artist working in South Florida. And I know that you also work on the vendor side now as well doing, um, you have multiple brands that you represent and work in the professional spa and uh, beauty world. And um, it's been great getting to know you and all of your information and where people can find you will definitely be in the show notes of this episode. And it's just been a pleasure chatting with you as always. Thank you so much, Claudia. You as well. It's been a joy and a privilege. Thank you. Thanks so much for tuning in today. If you liked this episode, I would be grateful if you would rate and review and be sure to subscribe so you can get notified when the next episode goes live. To learn more about makeup, skincare, self-care, and my personal go-to products, visit thebeautydebut.com. Do you want to continue today's conversation? You can find me on Instagram at thebeautydebut and on LinkedIn at Claudia Fabian.